his work. It's not a work of man. It's a work of God. But one thing is for certain. The only name that needs to be remembered when you leave this place is the name of Jesus. And that is my hope and my prayer today that he will get the glory and not myself. Um, Let me just tell you a little bit about what's going on in Africa just uh, so we can... Uh, you know, since that's that's what he's doing through me and, and the ministry that I mentioned, lost but not forgotten. Uh, we go to the <clears throat> we go to the unreached Muslim villages of West Africa. Uh, what is that? that? That's 1040 window. It's everything west of, including Sudan and everything west of there. Chad, Nigeria, Niger, Mali. Burkina Faso, Ghana, Togo, Benin, and so on, uh, west to the coast. And uh, that's an impossible task. But it's one he's assigned us because God is the one who's doing it. He's the God of the impossible. He's the God that wants to take and give you a challenge and see, will he believe that I can do this? And... I'm okay with whatever he asks me to do as long as he's with me. But as Dorman has drilled into our heads, it doesn't matter where you are, God is with you because you're in union with him. There's already been an exchange made. His spirit is within you. He's given you a heart of flesh, taken out the heart of stone, and now you're equipped with him to do whatever he's called you to do. And that's the beautiful thing, and you don't have to go to Africa to find that out. You just, right where you're at, you can know and believe it. Well, you guys have sewed into many of the trips, and and the last one was to uh, three different countries I went to. We landed in Burkina Faso, but then we went west and south to the northern part of the Ivory Coast, or Cote d'Ivoire, to Forquesadougou is the name of the city. And we went to villages around Forquesadougou, and James Lane, my pastor's brother, came with me, and we had a chance to minister to hundreds of children as well as a Muslim and animist who are, you know, idol worshipers or traditional beliefs uh, as well. And we saw the Lord open the hearts of these kids. They were just so pliable. You know, that's where faith can be found, God, guys. Kids are, are just so precious to the Lord. And, and it, it, we cannot leave them out of the equation when we minister over there. I, I can't do that anymore. And I used to preach strictly to the adults, but now I always have to have a, a child's minister with me because that's where faith can be found. And, and we saw hundreds, uh, possibly four to five hundred kids during that time get saved. It was wonderful. Uh, the whole hotel staff where we stayed got saved. Uh, um, our uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn Cambu, who is our interpreter, English, French-English interpreter, she <laughs> led the whole hotel staff to the Lord, and I had a chance to baptize them. And then <clears throat> after the Ivory Coast, um, where we saw the, the Lord do some amazing things. We Guys in one village, we had a first. <laughs> in that We're always having firsts with the Lord, but we had a first. Uh, we had tested all the equipment that, that we had uh, at that time before we went to the village. And when we got there, nothing worked. Everything started smoking out, burning out. You know, we'd already had a chance to preach to the kids. Fifty kids came to Christ. But the crowd of about 500 
we weren't able to do anything with them. So since we weren't on a tight schedule, which is unusual, I said to the guys, I said, okay, let's go back and regroup. You know, yeah, we may have lost this battle, but there's always tomorrow night. Let's come back. And, and so we told the people we're coming back. We're, so we got all of my, my new equipment. We bought some, a new generator. We bought some new plugs and wire and everything. We just redid everything. And we, and we tested it. all worked. Went to the village. Had problems again. And so obviously we're sensing that there was a spiritual battle going on here. There always is. Sometimes you're aware of it. Sometimes you're not. You need to be aware of it if you're not. But... There was that battle going on. The techno demons were, were coming against us, and you know they're just an irritation. God's in charge. So eventually, we we got this old old plug, and uh, it was round, dirty looking, green thing, and we thought, man, that thing can't hold a uh, hold a charge. And yet, that was what empowered us. This this piece of junk empowered us to be able to to show the Jesus film and preach uh, with amplification, and we saw hundreds of people come to Christ that night. And then there was 100 people that had pain, and half of them, after praying for them as a group, half of them raised their hand and said that they were, they were healed of their pain. Uh, that was a beautiful thing. So the people saw that. They saw the, and they heard the glory of God. Oh, we're, we're up, Rodney? Okay. Let's uh, let's turn off some lights and and I know the brother has uh, made a, an extreme effort to get this done. So I'm gonna have to go through these pretty fast though, because I don't want to miss out on the word I've got for you. Um, so this is where we minister, and uh, let me get my my pointer. <clears throat> Let's see. Gotta turn this baby on. There it is. And there we go. We got red light. Uh, Chad, Niger, Nigeria, all these countries I've mentioned already. We were here in the northern part of the Ivory Coast and then traveled back up through the southwest part of Burkina, went to Ouagadougou. James went home and I uh, flew to Niger. And then took a 16-hour bus ride to Agadez. And from Agadez took a 4 by 4 up to another neighboring place. Uh, the police required that we had security. So we hired a dozen troops. And they took us to the, the base of Mount Bagazam. And from there we took a 5-hour hike um, up to the top of the mountain. And half the soldiers came with us. Half stayed behind. And from there, we went to three villages and had a chance to do some medical outreach. I don't always do that. Um, I'm more interested in laying on of hands now, but the Holy Spirit had us do that. And we also had a chance to win 300 Ayer Tomashek to the Lord. Again, an unreached people group, totally unreached. The gospel had never been to the top of this mountain. In fact, when Musa told me that, I said, I got to be there. You know, this is, this is too juicy. I cannot pass it up. 
And so I added that part of the trip onto this other part, and so it took us four weeks to get it all done instead of the usual two, and I was exhausted afterwards. But I thought I had actually had a heart attack while I was up on the mountain coming down because I had so much chest pain on the, on the side of my chest, but I think it was just musculoskeletal in the end. But uh, anyway, it was quite a challenge. One of my guys, an evangelist named Emma Mukaila, he's from northern Cameroon, and we've ministered in there before, um, established a church, been through Banky. Uh, <clears throat> he was trying to get to Agadez, which was our central meeting place up in here. And I got to Agadez, and, and that, that's where we met the whole team. But anyway, as he was going through this area of Nigeria, up into the border near Cameroon, he was going on a a back road to avoid the Boko Haram, which is like Al-Qaeda, if you've, if you've ever heard of Al-Qaeda. They're a militant Muslim group. So is Boko Haram. So they're kind of a cousin. Um, <clears throat> and they don't kiss. They're not kissing cousins. But uh, they, they found uh, Emma on that path as his minivan was going through. They had already stopped five minivans, had them all pulled over. They were taking the best two of the group and leaving the rest, and they were looking for Christians so they could convert them or kill them. Oh, that's water. And uh, so they got to Emma, and they pulled the AK-47 in his face and said, are you you a Christian? And Emma says, yeah, (laughs) with a smile on his face. Yes, I am, as a matter of fact. He said, do you want to convert to Islam or die? He said, no, neither one, really. you know, I'm I'm happy as a Christian. Yeah, that's what he said. And, and the guy was so frustrated. And, and so he's trying to call the general. Hey, general, come here. You know, there's a Christian over here. You know, he needs to die. And uh, the general was preoccupied and kind of just didn't pay any attention to him. It was like his own man was invisible to him, And uh, which is ironic because while I'm in the Ivory Coast, I'm praying for Emma and I had a conversation with the Lord, you know, and sometimes it's not always reverent. I said, uh, Lord, make Emma invisible to these Boko Haram as he tries to get to Agadez. And by the way, if he dies, I quit. I'm done, you know. And and so <laughs> I guess the Lord took me seriously because uh, he made, invis- made him invisible to the head dog. And, he j- and the other guy just got so frustrated, he just let him go. So Emma went on his way up to Agadez, got there, and Musa says, Emma's been raised from the dead. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, he's the only Christian I've ever known who's had a direct confrontation with the Boko Haram and has not been killed. And I'm like, great. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. Well, he had another confrontation. This time he's in his hometown of Banky, in a village near Banky, and that's along the border, of course. And the Boko Haram attacked this village and burned his church down, shot and killed many people. And so he and his family had church uh, with his church family. None of them were killed in his house. And he was hiding there. It was last week, actually. He was hiding away uh, for a couple of days and, you know, gunshots all over the place. And Finally, I called him a couple days later, and uh, he said, everything's fine. The international police are here, the Cameroonian police. They've, they've uh, pushed the Boko Haram back. And, and uh, I said, well, has anybody been hurt or killed? And he said, oh, 
too many people to count, you know. We don't even know how many have been killed. But nobody in my church, and although the church was burned down, we're still meeting here at my house, and everything's fine. I said, well, how's your farm? I prayed that God would protect your farm. He said, oh, look, I went to the farm today. Farm is great. You know, they didn't touch it. So, praise God. You know, the Lord will sacrifice some sheep from time to time for his will and purposes and shepherds. But it's all in his timing. He's the master. He's in charge. And and God has protected him. Well, we got Jeff Smith. Uh, he's an associate pastor over at uh, uh, Trinity Life in Hereford. He's coming with me. We're going to go back into Burkina Faso in the northeast part. There's an unreached people group called the Jelguji Fulani. Next slide, please. Uh, this is Agadez, where the central point where we met, and then we went to the top of Mount Bagazem there. Uh, in March of next year, in case anybody's interested, we're going to an unreached people group called the Bilma Kanuri. This is halfway between Madugri, Nigeria, and Libya, uh, and very hard to get to. I don't know how we're going to do it, but that's in the spring. The Lord has already showed us that we need to go there. Next slide, please. And Burkina Faso, this is our trip in, in uh, uh, coming up in two weeks. This is where we were a year ago, and this is where we were uh, in the spring in the Ivory Coast. Next slide, please. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, that man is uh, Pastor Eves. Um, Eves is an interesting fellow. He, he quit his job with Deeper Life uh, against my recommendation to work with Lost But Not Forgotten. And in addition to that, he lost his job at the school because he was too outspoken about Jesus. And so now he has no job. I pay him 125 a month. Yeah, which is not enough to live on, but he's managing, as the Africans say. Um, credible young man of God. I'm going to get him some equipment when I go over there to con- to continue his evangelism efforts and facilitate the gift that God's already given him. Next slide, please. Uh, this is the tropical part of Burkina Faso. Very beautiful. All kinds of uh, you know rice, corn, uh, cotton, even. Um, just it's a beautiful area next slide uh this is where you know we minister to the children first next slide please uh james lane he's teaching the kids next slide please baptizing next slide this is one of our outreaches in uh in near Forkesadugu, one of the villages. Great spirit there. So totally different than that first village I was talking to you about. Uh, you could just feel the peace uh, and the presence of God. 300 came to Christ that night. Next slide, please. Muslims, that is. Next slide, please. This is our co-laborer, Sisica. I gave him a set of equipment, and he's proven evangelist and using it for God's glory. He's already reported oh, maybe 100 on three separate um, in, uh, separate outreaches that have come to Christ, Muslims. Next slide, please. So the work continues. Next slide. Uh, this is my son, Emma, on a previous trip to Chad. 
the one who encountered the Boko Haram, and uh, he's got quite a calling on his life. The Lord appeared to him, or actually spoke to him in a dream. He got a phone call uh, two days before he met me in, in Nigeria, and the Lord said to him, uh, or the voice on the phone said to him, do my work. And uh, Emma said, is this Pastor Titus? He was working with Pastor Titus before. And then the voice said again, do my work. And that was it. And then he met me, and I didn't really notice him that much, but uh, he said, you didn't see me. (laughs) That's how he put it. You didn't see me that first time. Next slide, please. Well, I've seen him since. He's a great young man, evangelist, and I'm glad to call him my son. This is some of the fruit we had at the base of Mount Bagazem before we took the five-hour drive up there. Next slide, please. And I'm pointing the way just five miles through the pass to get to the first village. Next slide, please. And that's kind of the way the top of Mount Bagazem looks. Rocky, uh, desolate, and difficult to pass. I don't know where these uh, animals are getting their food, but next slide, please. This is one of our drivers who was caught with a prostitute uh, while we were up on the mountain. He and his uh, and the other young man I led to Christ were visiting a, a brothel, and they both got sick. And one said, "Oh, I'm going to go back to Islam," you know. Uh, and uh, and and Musa had a word of knowledge. You you took two pills. You went into a prostitute, and you came back up this mountain. David laid hands on you. You got, you got well, and now you want to go back to... And he's like, oh, how did you know that? The Spirit of God revealed it to Musa. Anyway, he repented, and uh, he's back with the Lord. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just, uh, you know, some of the schools we, we do the medical outreach in and, you know, sleep in. Next slide, please. And that's part of the medical outreach. Next slide. And this is uh, the team, some of the soldiers. That's myself here. That's uh, 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 Salejo. Salejo was our contact on the mountain. If you can remember anybody's name, pray for this man. He's quite gifted in the natural, and I'd just like to see him come to Jesus. This man is thinking about coming to Jesus, and this one has not reject, has rejected him. This is Abubakar, the pastor, and Elaji Peter, uh, another young evangelist. Next slide, please. And that's Musa. Next slide. And this is uh, baby Saidu. You can't really see it, but he's got a double cleft lip. We tried to get him. We did get him to a hospital in Nigeria off that mountain and all the way to uh, Sokoto, which is about 500 miles. But he was still too young uh, in order to have the operation. So we're going to have to wait until he's gained some more weight. Next slide, please. Okay, next slide, please. This is where we're going. And this is Arbinda, our target uh, city where we're going to uh, uh, we're going to house ourselves, and then from there we're going to five villages and possibly um, a Malian uh, refugee camp, um, if we have time. The Holy Spirit leads us. Next slide, please. This is Sakuri. That's the village, our first village. Very attractive looking. I, I think you would agree. Uh, next slide, please. Being facetious, of course. The, pe- the people are attractive. That's, 
That's it. Okay, great. Um, one of the guys going with me, I met in Niger. His name is Ayuba. Ayuba is an interesting fellow. Um, like many of my guys, they've seen Jesus or talked to him directly or in, in a vision or in a dream. And it's amazing to meet men like that. And it's even more amazing that they want to work with myself. But, uh, you know, there's my self-deprecating humor coming through. So, <clears throat> But Ayuba, 12 years ago, was playing soccer, got tired, went to his house, laid down in his bed, started staring at the wall, like here. And suddenly appearing on the wall is a man on a cross with a crown of thorns, bleeding profusely, and looking down. And the man on the cross picks his head up and looks at Ayuba in the eyes and smiles at him and puts his head down again. Then it's gone. The vision's gone. He didn't know what to make of it, really. He had been having doubts about Islam because he'd read the Quran, and believe it or not, he said that the Quran was talking about Jesus in such a way that only Jesus could be God. He couldn't be a prophet. And I'm like, you got that out of the Quran, brother? <laughs> you know. And uh, so <clears throat> he started to uh, question Islam, and the vision just touched him. And he said to a friend of his, you know, I need... He saw his friend had a had a Bible, black covered book. He said, and it was on his table at his house. And he said, "I need that book. That's the book of the Christians, isn't it?" And he said, "Yeah, that's that's right. It's a Bible." He said, "I need that book. Where'd you get it? Oh, I found it in the marketplace. But uh, what do you got to trade? You know?" And he said, "Well, let me see your dad's DVDs." So he, so he looks over the collection of DVDs his dad has, and one of them is a horror movie. I don't know what it was, Midville horror, who knows. But he, he, he says, well, I'll, I'll trade you the Bible for that horror movie. What kind of exchange was that? <laughs> Eternal life for a horror movie? Oh, my gosh. That, that's just the epitome of, of, of foolishness. But anyway, that's what he did. So he started reading the Bible every day. His friends started calling him a little Jesus. Ironically, that means Christian, right? Little Jesus. And uh, and so he was getting persecuted pretty badly in Niger, and had to move from one city to another, and uh, but has since been an evangelist. And he says, "I want to go with you so I can learn what you guys are doing, and do the same." And I'm like, "Wow, okay." And I said, "Well, Lord, you know this guy doesn't speak English. He doesn't speak uh, Fulfulde, the language of the Fulani, and." And I said, how is he going to be a help to us? And he said, well, why don't you wait and see? Why don't you take him along and see how he helps you? And, and then as I was worshiping one day, it just came to me. You know, Dave, you could stop. The Holy Spirit said, Dave, you could stop that Jesus film while I'm on the cross. And he could give his testimony about what he saw. And then you could preach and just think how powerful that would be. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be, wouldn't it, Lord? Okay, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I'm glad you thought of it, son. <laughs> no, you know, it was all him, not me. But uh, so anyway, we're going to a group of people called the Jelguji Fulani. There are 350,000 of these people, and there's no known believers among them. Can you believe that? No known believers. I know God's sitting on his throne thinking, you know, that's pathetic. 
I don't have any kids from that group of people. Are they all going to die without hearing the gospel? I'm sure he said that to me. David, what do you think about that? Does that not upset you, that there aren't any followers of Christ among those people? You don't have any brothers. You've got no inheritance among that group of people. What do you think? Okay, okay, I get it. I get it. And so you know, we started off with three groups of people, the Gormanch, the, the Jelguji, and, a, and another group, uh, the Gorgal. And they were all unreached, and they're all in that area. And when I sent my man up there, Antoine, to, to go look and scout out that land, he came across five villages. And who were represented in those five villages? Just the Jelguji. You know, that's how the Holy Spirit works. He gives you a vision, and then he begins to narrow it down. These are the people that are ready. They're prepared. Their hearts are prepared. I'm going before you, and they're going to receive the word that you preach to them. And it's not just the words. The gospel of the kingdom is about action, too, isn't it? It's about power. It's not just about words. And so I'm excited to see what God is going to do, the power of God that's going to be released upon those people. Well, what I wanted to preach to you today about, and, and I, I won't go, you know, we're, we're not going to go through the whole thing, but just something exciting that uh, we were talking about in our meetings last, uh, last year, uh, excuse me, last month. Um, it was First Peter chapter 1 that really got a hold of me, and I don't, I read this like I read it for the first time, <clears throat> and it was just so exciting for me to think about um, my inheritance of grace in Christ. And this is going to be exciting for you too, I hope, as well. First Peter chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 3 through 5. And I'm going to read this. And as you read it, or as you listen to it, I want you to think of yourself in this equation. You know, we, we sometimes think about, you know, that's great for, for Dave, that's great for others. You know, I know that God's blessed him. He's anointed him for this work. He hasn't anointed me. And, you know, that's all just a lie. This is for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Who, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. For what purpose? To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away, reserved in heaven. For who? For you. For you. For all of us. Who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow. That's a mouthful. So what has God done for you lately? Through his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. This is not something that we were able to do ourselves, was it? No. It's not a work of man. (laughs) You know, the the longer I live, the more I realize that a work of man is is demonic. That's the basis for the work of man because it doesn't involve God. When we work, when we say we're working for the king or when we're evangelizing or when we're in church ministering, this is not a work of man. 
This is a work of God through you. You know, that's the beauty of what God does. God's work is, is so totally different. He has done it. He has finished it. It is finished. We talked about that a little bit in Sunday school. Jesus said, it is finished. Work of man? No. The work of God, it is finished. The battle has been won. The war has been won. Yeah, we struggle with flesh and blood and with the you know, spirits and principalities of this world and all that. We don't struggle with, with flesh. We struggle against those spirits. But the war is won. So, you know, when we talk about battles, we're, we're talking about things that have already been won in the spirit from before the foundation of the world. And it's been won by our king, our general, our master, who has sent us out. Sent us out for what? To receive the harvest. That's what he's done for us, for lost but not for God. We're sent out to receive what already belongs to him, and we're there to collect the booty. We're collecting the fruit. We're collecting those things that have been left behind since Jesus won the battle for us. So that takes the pressure off of us because he's already done it. He's already commanded us to to go for it. Let's see. Unlike the Muslims, if you think about them, their hope is, is that in a scale that perhaps tips in their favor when they die. You know, the Muslims will, will admit to you, even Muhammad, we don't know about him. He still has to stand before God. That's what they'll tell you if they're honest. And we've, I've heard them say it. We have a living hope. That's not hope when you, when you think, oh, gosh, I, you know, I hope that when... That's a wish. That's the flimsiest position you could possibly be in. But the hope that God has given us is a living one because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Wow. Praise God. It's one that we can stand on. It's a foundation. It's a foundation like the foundation stone in 1 Corinthians chapter, th- chapter 3, verse 11. No man can lay a foundation other than one which has been laid, which is what? Jesus if anyone builds on that, gold, precious wood, hay, stone, straw, their work will become evident because it will be tested with fire. Now, man's works are hay and wood and stubble. God's work is always imperishable, gold, silver, precious stones. And so when we build on that foundation, which is Jesus, we're not really the ones doing it. He is. If we're building on some other foundation, it's already lost. And those, my friends, are the Muslims across the world. They've built on a foundation which is flimsy. It's wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn. And no matter how hard they try to get others to join them, and in their struggle, they still have no peace. They have no peace. They have no hope. Their hope is a dying one. And it's, and it's dying in front of their eyes. Yeah. For what purpose was this Jesus raised to life? So that we could obtain, through exchange, an inheritance in Christ 
which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away. Our inheritance in Christ is not the same as the inheritance of the world. People, you know, can't wait for their parents to die so they can leave them all their stuff, right? And some have debt, and that's not great to leave, but some have value, and, and so that, that's what the world thinks of when they think of inheritance. But that's not our inheritance, is it? No. It's not gold or silver. It's not houses or cars. It's not a business or even debt. It is imperishable. And also, as he states, will not fade away. You know, there, um, let's see, I need to jump ahead a little bit. Uh, it's not, it's undefiled by sin or the lust of man. This inheritance in Jesus is awesome and glorious. It's eternal and it's reserved in heaven for us. You ever buy reserved seats that are really good for a basketball game or a football game or something? No one else can sit in that seat. It's reserved for you for that time, for that moment. And, and if it's a good seat, then, you know, it's, it has value. Well, God has reserved something in heaven for us that has greater value than a seat in Madison Square Gardens. That value, that, that undefiled gift of eternal glory is Jesus himself. Wow. Wow. Now, there are some things that we have in Christ which are, what, immediate, right? It happens the moment we come to faith in Jesus. Sonship, life, forgiveness, access to the throne of God with boldness. Some things are reserved in heaven for us, though, and that's the glory of Jesus, a new body, rewards of the inheritance of Jesus himself. You know, I... I have a, a rather lengthy part here where I talk about, I'm going to summarize this, the remnant. You know, the certain themes in the Bible that are repeated, like numbers, for instance, uh, the perfect number three or the complete number of seven and, and 12, uh, number of government, and, and of course one, the only one true God, and 40 days, the, the 40 is, a, is the, the number of judgment, and and so there are, there are repetitive things that we see throughout the Bible so that God can validate what has happened throughout history. One of those themes that is repeated throughout the Bible, though, is the theme of the remnant. There's that theme of the remnant. In the, the lineage of Jacob or Israel, we see the, the 12 tribes. And one of those tribes was Levi, wasn't it? And this remnant, this, this tribe of Israel, they had no inheritance in Israel directly. They didn't, they didn't have land, for instance. Now, they did have an inheritance, however. It wasn't land. It wasn't gold. It wasn't silver. It wasn't grapes and vines. God says what would be their inheritance? Their inheritance, your inheritance, Levi, is me. And, and, you know, I'm sure some of the people said, what? No land? We got to fight all these battles with our brothers for what? So we can inherit, uh, so we can inherit you, God. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, God didn't leave them penniless. They had cities to live in. They had places where their flocks could, could, uh, could, could glean and, 
and um, you know, stroll and eat and, and that kind of thing. They were provided for. God never leaves his people that serve him. He doesn't leave them hopeless and penniless. You know, if you're going to serve me and you're going to serve in my temple, yeah, you, you may not have a, a lot to call your own, but I'm going to make sure that 10% of everything that comes into the temple belongs to you and your family. You're going to eat well. Look at uh, Eli and his kids. They were fat, you know. They didn't lack for anything. Um, they indulged. Why am I bringing this up? Our inheritance, too, guys, is not on the earth. Our inheritance is God himself. We're all Levites of some sort in the, in the, under the new covenant. We're all priests to our gods, to our God. And so uh, even though our inheritance is him, he hasn't left us without provision here on this earth. He continually blesses us in every way in Christ. But something that we, and I'm trying to put words to this, something that we can't even imagine is ours in heaven, in Jesus. You know, we, it's, it's, already, it's already a great privilege to be in Christ, to be in union with God the Father through the Lord Jesus, and, and to know we're sons and daughters of the King and, and uh, generals in the kingdom of God and, and in the workplace. And, you know, we have, we have so much in him already. But Peter says there's something more. There's, there's something more, an imperishable, holy seed, uh, 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 an inheritance that is beyond comprehension in heaven in the Lord Jesus. That gives us what? That gives us hope, doesn't it? You know, I, I know uh, a lot of us have been um, taught maybe over the years uh, about the second coming of Jesus, and we look forward to being raptured off this planet so that the cares of the world and the adversity that we face is no longer in our face. And when we read passages like this, it does bring hope for the future. But later in in First Peter, um, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse ten, it says, "As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace would come to you made careful searches and inquiries. The grace that would come." And John already talks about this in John chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but the truth about grace, or grace and truth, were realized through Jesus Christ. And Titus 2.11 also goes on to talk about this grace. Grace, of course, being the person, the person of Jesus. And then in verse 13, Peter says this. There's the word, therefore. Of course, what is the word therefore, therefore? But uh, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Ah, 
You mean we're not supposed to sit at home and, and wait for that glorious day when Jesus appears and delivers us from all our enemies? We're, we're nothing more than Israel when we do that, because they were looking for a king who would come and, fl- and free them from Roman rule, weren't they? And so are we looking for a king who's going to free us from the, 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 the stressors of, of, of daily life here on the earth? Uh, are we no more different then if we do that? Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whoa. I like that. I like having a hope that causes me to push forward with the, with the desires of God and his agenda, not mine. It's like, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm ready. Because why? Because I have an inheritance. I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but I've got an inheritance in heaven. I've got a hope that's fixed on Jesus. And because of that living hope that I have, knowing that he was raised from the dead and seated at your right hand right now, all things are possible. All things are possible. Just tell me what you got in mind. And the Lord said to me, well, you know what the destiny of the lost is. You've worked with Muslims when you were a kid. When you were 18 years old, you stood up and said that you would be a missionary unless you wanted me to keep you here. So you tell me, what do you want to do? There's a whole world out there, David, in your neighborhood too. What do you want to do? Well, Lord... I want to find the the most unreached people group in Chad and see what you do. Not a single believer, Kanembu. Our second visit, over 200 came to Jesus. Our third visit to Chad, we saw 300, Kanembu and Baduma, another unreached people group, come to Jesus. That's what I want to do. I want to be a part of. And, you know, there's that word I, of course, you know, with, when you're in union with Jesus, there, there is no real, there's no I, there's just you and us. You know, it, it's, it's Christ in us. I love 2 Corinthians 4. Uh, it's a great chapter, and, and I think it's verse 6. It says, what well, we have this, 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 uh, we have this, uh, Treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be seen as coming from God and not from ourselves. <laughs> and that's the truth. It's not about us, but we get to be part of the equation. Hallelujah. And that's a gift. That treasure is part of our inheritance, but there's more that we have no clue about. So Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action, guys. Keep sober in spirit. In other words, you know, be serious about life. Be intentional about your actions. Fix your hope on what? On the things that are passing away? No, you got to do your job. You got to, you know, you got to be faithful in the little things. And your job isn't really little to God. Everything is important in God's perspective. Everything is little 
But everything is therefore big because he's interested in you being faithful in the little things. Completely. Fix your hope completely. That means your totality. Your Give me your heart, David. That's what I want. I want your heart. I want your passion. Don't just give me a little compartment. Don't give me two weeks a year, four weeks a year. Give me your heart. <laughs> you can take that thing, Lord. I, you know, I'll take what you got. I'll take your righteousness. I'll take that heart of fl- uh, flesh. I, I don't want that heart of stone anymore. I don't want to live under the law. I want grace. <laughs> I want Jesus. Woo! That's what I want. Completely on the grace to be brought to you at what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Wow. That revelation may is coming soon. Guess what? For all of us. The rapture may not be coming soon. I don't think it is. Sorry. Pardon my position. But I, I believe that the revelation of Jesus Christ is coming soon for all of us. You know? I'm 55. I got several medical issues going on. And, you know, in, in my line of work, uh, I don't have expectations of a long existence until the work is finished, because God told me that. So I know that I'll get through West Africa. But anyway, that's an aside. The revelation of Jesus Christ is coming for all of us very soon. So what am I encouraging you to do? What's the Word of God encouraging you to do? That's up to you. you you've got your own personal relationship with Jesus, praise God. And so it's going to be different for all of us, and yet the same. It's about the love of God. It's about the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know, it's about the Father. I'm going to close with this. John 1.4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's what we got to fix our eyes on, the light. Because that light is our life, and his name is Jesus. Thank you. Some of y'all come and let's, let's lay hands on him, send him out. You know, one of the things I get excited about when he's here and Tony Poole will be here, and you know, every place these guys go, you know what? How can they go except they be what? All right. And what does it say to us? Every time, you know what I get excited about is taking a little of my money that's in the bank account and giving the seed to him to go plant in Africa. See, every time you send a little seed somewhere, that seed is, is somewhere else. And you're a partaker of that. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? So remember the special offering before you leave. Father, we just lift this whole trip to you. and Lord, we know David's heart. And Lord, we just pray that you'll continue to keep that bubble around him and those that go with him. And Lord, we thank you that the light is coming to darkness. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that many souls is going to continue to be saved. And Lord, that one of these days he can say, it is finished. And, Lord, until that time, we ask you to keep him in your love. And, Lord, we just thank you for those that's going with him.
pray your protection over them and your the ability to let them, to lead them by your spirit. And we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And let Paula be at rest while he's gone. Amen. 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 All right. Yeah. Six o'clock tonight. Okay. All righty.